views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of hosts and guests. The view and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Memorial Healthcare System, Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. Happy New Year, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Healthy Parenting, pitched by Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. My name is Jason Grant Henriquez, and I'm with my co-host, Dr. Latanya Benjamin. Hi, Dr. Benjamin. Hi, Jason. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Did you know that more than 30 million Americans will suffer from an eating disorder at some point in their life? I did not. According to studies, the most common age of onset for eating disorders is between 12 and 25 years, which means adolescents are at the greatest risk. Since the last week of February's National Eating Disorder Week, today's episode is a pre-recorded interview with our co-producer, Bahati, and Dr. Alba Iglesias, the medical director of the Adolescent Medicine Program at Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. They'll be discussing eating disorders among adolescents and how parents can talk to their kids about this very important topic. Before we get to that interview, we'll spend a few minutes during our coffee talk uh, chat talking about teens and sexual harassment, and the truth about teening, teen eating disorders uh, with you, Jason and Bahati. Fantastic. Actually, the teens and sexual harassment thing, you know what? It's something that, you know, right now in, ho- in Hollywood, there's, there's a big thing going on with, with sexual harassment. And, you know, it slipped my mind that it absolutely happens. With and it starts early. And it starts really early, mm-hmm. especially with uh, social media and then text messages and everything like that. So that. I'm surprised. I was like, wait a minute, that does happen. Yeah, and it can be devastating to the family. Well, before we move on, here's a word from our sponsor. Patient and family-centered care. At Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, it's the difference you notice. It's what you feel. It's how we care. And it's why we've been recognized as the world's first designated person-centered children's hospital by Plaintree. When it matters most, trust Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Learn more at jdch.com slash care. Celebrating 25 years of specialized care. Happy 25th anniversary to Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Hey, it's your boy DJ Aaron. Guess what? I'm raising my red glove to raise awareness for Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. Yo, celebrating 25 years. Hey, what's up? It's Joey Batone. Of course, I'm raising my red glove for Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. 25 years, baby. What's up? This is Shark Damon John with ABC Shark Tank. I am raising my red glove for the 25th anniversary of the Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Raise your glove, too. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Iglesias. Thank you for having me here. So before we get started uh, with today's discussion, could you explain to our listeners your role as a pediatrician who specializes in adolescent medicine? Well, the subspecialty of adolescent medicine, um, which is within pediatrics, is really an area that focuses on the healthcare of adolescents. Some of the special issues that we deal with regarding mental health, emotional well-being, development sometimes of behavioral issues that we screen for, adolescent gynecology, and reproductive health, as well as healthy nutrition and the care and management of eating disorders and body image issues. Okay. So that's quite a number of uh, issues that you deal with when yes. working with adolescents. And just to be clear, what's the age range of adolescents? The age range is usually from 12 until 21, but most of us do extend into 10 or 11-year-olds mm. and sometimes into the young adult age. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good to know. So the last week of February is Eating Disorders Awareness Month. So we wanted to dedicate this show um, so that parents 
are educated on eating disorders among their tweens and teens. So my first question is, could you explain what is an eating disorder? Well, eating disorders are a group of disorders that really involve a disturbance in their relationship that an individual has with food. There is usually disruption in the behaviors related to eating, such as severe calorie restriction, excessive overeating, or even obsessive thoughts related to healthy eating. And these orders are many times accompanied by feelings of anxiety, guilt, and concern about one's shape and, and weight. Mm-hmm. And how common would you say are eating disorders? Well, very common. As of now, the latest statistics show that 30 million Americans will experience an eating disorder in their lifetime. That's a lot of people. Yes. And is specifically regarding adolescents, it is more common typically uh, for, for girls than boys? Well, the presentation uh, is usually in the mid to late adolescent age group. But yes, there has been, over time, uh, research that has shown that it's a predilection in females. However, I do have to say that out of the 30 million, 10 million are males. Mm. So they are not exclusive to females. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So about a third of, yes. of that number. Okay. Exactly. And could you explain the different types of eating disorders? I know most people are familiar with anorexia, but there are different types of eating disorders. Yes. Um, well, there is a, a variety of categories of eating disorders. And um, like you mentioned, anorexia nervosa is most commonly known. And this is where there's food restriction leading to excessive weight loss, fear of weight gain, and and body image distortion. There is bulimia nervosa, where there is recurrent episodes of excessive food intake, and then some sort of compensatory behavior Mm. that occurs to get rid of the calories, such as self-induced vomiting, laxative abuse, diet pills, or even excessive exercise can be a form of uh, a compensatory type of behavior that occurs, and that's bulimia nervosa. There is actually the most common type of eating disorder, which is binge eating disorder, and that's a fairly new category in of itself, Mm. and it is the most common type of eating disorder where there is overeating without the compensatory types of behaviors. And those are the most common. Okay, okay. Any thoughts on why binging has become more common than the other two? I think it's not that it has become more common, but that now that it has its own category, it is now recognized Ah. as a separate eating disorder diagnosis. Okay. Yes. And... Why would you say is it important for parents to be able to detect an, e- an eating disorder in their child? Well, the, the risk of having an eating disorder, especially if it's not caught early, is, is, is very high as far as mortality, especially in, in anorexia nervosa. Mm-hmm. They can cause significant impairment in an individual's life, It can interfere with school, social, family life. It can lead to mental health issues, even suicidality. 
and also the complications of eating disorders can be very severe and life-threatening, mm-hmm. especially, like I said, if gone undetected. And like most uh, medical conditions, early intervention is key. Right, right. Is there an average age a child can begin to show symptoms of having an eating disorder? Typically when you see movies or TV shows or you hear people talking about eating disorders, it's typically, it seems like, early teens, early 20s, but what what is the common or average age? So I would say mid to late adolescence is the most common time you start to see um, eating disorders showing up but the studies now are showing that the cases are really presenting younger and younger. Mm. And they can be younger than 12. I've even seen as far as uh, young girls at the age of seven or eight that start to express concern over their, their bodies and their weights. That is extremely young. And it's, it makes you wonder, is it television? Is it just society at large? Because when you think back to your childhood, I mean, there are different stages of child development and how you think about your body typically started around your tweens, like your, you know, your puberty. Why do you think it's happening at such a young age? I think that, well, this brings me to what are the causes of an eating disorder. And I think there are multiple causes and genetics as well as environmental pressures really have an interchanging role in in what could bring on an eating disorder. And I think that, for example, uh, genetics, there have been numerous twin studies that have shown this as well as um, looking at individuals with a parent that has an eating disorder, then they are more likely to have an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, then the, the societal and environmental pressures, such as the media, to attain this ideal body image. Right. And all of these things can lead to unhealthy dieting and behaviors that can lead to an eating disorder. And then, of course, there's the psychological factors where there's depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, or there can also be a traumatic or a precipitating event that could um, lead to an eating disorder, such as an experience of bullying or or abuse. Mm. That that can also um, pre, as I as I say many times, when the stars line up, unfortunately, mm. um, that that can be a triggering event. And it can even be something as inadvertent as a comment from a from a from a medical doctor or a provider mm. that tells uh, uh, someone that they need to lose weight. Lose weight. Oh, and wow. of course, it's like I said, when the stars line up mm-hmm. and someone is already predisposed or is having issues with self-esteem or are starting to have those type of concerns, mm-hmm. having something like that happen from um, either a provider, mm-hmm. a coach, a teacher that can be a triggering event as well, mm. I have found. Okay, so that's interesting. I didn't realize that um, like traumatic experiences, not necessarily just wanting to be thin, but other things that are just happening in your life, just normal kind of things happening in your life can actually trigger an eating disorder. Yes, absolutely. And okay. I, go, ahead, go ahead. I do have to also wanted to throw out there that even starting a diet in someone who is predisposed 
genetically, I guess, mm -hmm. if you will, could also set off a pattern leading them down that road. During my research for this episode, um, I read that pediatricians should never mention dieting, basically, to parents or to parents or their children because there's so many. There's just it's a slippery slope, yeah. and I think it's it it takes a lot of uh, just management as far as how you approach this uh, issue when when it obviously needs to be part of the healthcare visit. Mm -hmm. But I think it's more about emphasis on healthy lifestyles, uh, eating right, uh, feeling active, you know, uh, feeling good about yourself, physical activity, and I think. If you approach it from from that angle, as opposed to talking about weight mm -hmm. or number on the scale, mm -hmm. uh, that'll hopefully keep you out of, of uh, you know problems down the line. More a holistic approach. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So before you mentioned that about ten million of those thirty million Americans are men who actually have eating disorders, according to research, more girls apparently are affected by eating disorders than boys. Any thoughts on why that might be? I think that girls are also, because of just inherently developmentally, the changes that go on in their bodies uh, during development might put them at a higher risk, and they may become more concerned about what their bodies look like, the changes that are going on. Mm -hmm. Males, however, when it comes to body image, they usually have more concerns about muscularity and, you know, wanting to bulk up. Mm -hmm. And so th there's, there's different dynamics going on there. Mm -hmm. But again, it's, it's important to note that eating disorders do not discriminate and that males are very much affected. Mm -hmm. And I think that many times that, uh, that I guess, myth that it's a girl's or a woman's disease mm, it mm. can be dangerous in the fact that you don't pick up an eating disorder early as, as you can in a male because you're not thinking of it, maybe. Mm. Uh, it's not at the forefront of your thinking. Okay. Are there certain personality traits that are more common in people with eating disorders? Certainly, the literature has shown that there has been some predisposing personality types, such as being perfectionistic, mm. being um, maybe impulsive, having obsessive thinking, being emotionally unstable, I guess, or instability um, uh, from the mental health perspective. And, and I think also that I always like to point out is that when your body is in a state of semi-starvation or, or starvation, mm -hmm. frankly, in some individuals, that that alone could lead to depression, anxiety, and more distortion in your body image when you, when you look at yourself in the mirror, which then only emphasizes the, the behaviors related to food more. And, and before you know it, you have a cycle mm. of, of uh, the eating disorder cycle. Mm. Mm. So uh, I think uh, it's, again, a lot of interchange between uh, what's going on environmentally mm -hmm. and then genetic predisposition. But certainly there are those personality traits that might be more susceptible. Ah, okay. All right. Good to know. Eating disorders 
primarily are tied to a desire to be thin. But like you've mentioned, there are other issues that can trigger uh, these kinds of disorders. Could you talk about that a little bit more? So again, it's not as simple as that. And, um, and it does go back to the, the personality uh, of the individual, the genetic factors. Is there something that has triggered um, uh, the, the propensity or the, the inclination to develop problems with body image, such as a traumatic event, such as something that a, that a teacher, a coach, or a doctor has said. Mm. So, and, and also the underlying, um, I guess, personality as we spoke about, whether mm-hmm. it be a mental health uh, issue that the person's already suffering with mm. or a personality disorder, which mm-hmm. could also predispose you. Mm. Okay. For parents looking to be more aware of the early warning signs of eating disorders, what, what, what are those early warning signs that parents should be aware of? Yes, yeah, so I think that parents should be aware of their child if you've noticed that they seem to be more concerned about reading labels mm. about you know suddenly dieting or or expressing that they had some some concern about their weight also seeing a change in your child's personality such as noticing that they seem to be more withdrawn quiet going off to you know spending time alone in their room mm. And not interacting with their peers uh, as they normally would, and also looking for behaviors around mealtime. So it's noticing that they either change their behaviors around mealtime, or they are avoiding mealtimes, or uh, you may notice that they excuse themselves; they want to leave the table, mm. and they may go off and go into the bathroom or go into their room. And also, there are other more clearer signs where you actually might be concerned. Is there some kind of laxative abuse, vomiting, binge eating type of behaviors? And um, and these are some of the, the, could be more subtle signs, mm-hmm. but these are some of the things to look out for. Also, uh, more seriously, actual, actually seeing weight loss actually noticing you know that they don't look as well they look pale they have thinning hair you know other more physical symptoms and and in girls many times they will start to have irregular or actually lose their menstrual periods mm-hmm. so these are these are signs that an eating disorder could be could be occurring and when it comes to signs of more like bulimia nervosa again like i mentioned going to the bathroom after meals mm-hmm. also you know noticing that they have over overly concerns about their weight and their body image also so these are some of the of the signs that a parent's going to look out for. You mentioned reading labels, as in the nutrition labels? Yes, the, the nutrition oh. labels, going to the supermarket, noticing that they pick up all the products and are very, very interested and concerned over what's, what's in, in What's the, the fat, the, the yeah, calorie the fat count. Content, the calorie content, oh. yes. yes. Okay, okay. And this next question has to do with, like, getting at the root cause, like before any of these symptoms start happening, how should parents approach their children um, 
Well, let me back up. So prior to this, these kinds of things happening, are there things parents can teach or model to their children regarding their perception of how they look, their weight, their appearance? Yes, I think that's, that's very important for parents to model uh, healthy behaviors when it comes to food and, and, and again, healthy lifestyles and exercise, and especially in a, in a child that may be susceptible Mm-hmm. For you know genetic reasons, mm-hmm. or there's some uh, some family member that has struggled with an eating disorder. Uh, I think, for example, they, they have found uh, they've done studies where they've looked at mothers that are seem to be concerned about their weight and complain about their weight a lot. Those daughters tend to then have weight concerns themselves, mm-hmm. and again, this this underlines uh, the this interaction of the genetic susceptibility and the environmental factors that play a role and how much the, the, the interchange that goes on between the two. Mm-hmm. But it's really important, I think, for parents to not be overemphasizing the, the child's weight or the, the shape. Mm-hmm. Again, just trying to concentrate on, on what it is to be healthy and eating right and, and being active. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good advice. So if a parent suspects that their child or children have may potentially have an eating disorder what advice would you give them in terms of approaching them to talk about i think as in many different issues that can come up right. um, in the in families it's it's trying to keep the lines of communication open um and and if you're going to a approach your your child with questions to do so in a non-judgmental way in a non-accusatory way um, and hopefully if if they're open it can actually start a, a conversation mm-hmm. that can that can really help okay and at what point if a parent suspects that their child or children may have an eating disorder at what point would you say they should be taken to a doctor I really think that this is something that the early intervention, like I always say, is so important Mm -hmm. that if there is any kind of suspicion, any of the the warning signs that we talked about, that this should be brought up sooner rather than later with Mm -hmm. their their primary care provider. Mm And and hopefully uh, the right resources will be will be available, and uh, the information will be there, and education will be there. So I think that this is an early intervention, mm-hmm. um, you know, type of uh, opportunity to to really make a difference. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we end today's show? I think that having the opportunity to to speak about this and having again the the education and awareness of this being uh, being the most critical aspect of hopefully not so much prevention because sometimes it's hard to say prevention because if there's a genetic Mm. factor one can say how do you prevent but at least really concentrating on education and awareness and I think that that will really be the key to um, hopefully not uh, having an eating disorder progress to the point where it really becomes uh, a big, a big, big problem and is very dangerous. Thank you so much, Dr. Glacius. Thank you.